Government is everywhere, personally, nationally, globally, and heavenly. Welcome to Are You Real Government, the premier media outlet where we discuss what's going on around the world and how to release God's governance, the kingdom, into it. Each week, we'll be equipping you with kingdom understanding and giving you the inside track to government leaders around the globe. Now get ready to get real about government with Are You Real Government? This is Dub Alexander, spiritual advisor to the influential and your host of Are You Real Government? Don't forget that you can catch the original Are You Real Purpose show with John Fuller every Wednesday on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast. On today's episode, I'm excited to have Brian Orm with us. Brian wears many hats, husband, father, pastor, missionary, teacher, life and mindset coach, consultant, son, and friend. He and his wife, Cecily, have been university campus missionaries for 20 years with Chi Alpha and currently oversee a university ministry called Origins at UC San Diego. Brian and Cecily enjoy spending time with their two children, Aowen and Liam. Brian, I'm excited to have you on the show, man. Hey, man. It's good to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. So let's start with you just telling the people a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, so I was raised by wolves in the forest. Uh, I grew up in Michigan. I was born in Detroit. Yeah, very close. And we moved when I was two years old, about an hour outside of west of Detroit. So I was in the country. Uh, My parents were Christian. I grew up in a a pretty big church, 3,000 people. And so I had parents that loved each other and loved Jesus. That was a good model. Nice. Yeah. And then fast forward a little bit, went to Bible college and then ended up in Salt Lake City, where I started doing university ministry at the University of Utah in 1997. Okay. And for the past 20 years, my wife and I have done university ministry. And it's been a blast. Very cool. So what does it look like to lead a campus ministry at UCSD? It's an interesting time. <laughs> Our campus is pretty unique. I mean, every campus has its own you know, culture and subcultures, but... UC San Diego is unique in that, you know, the center of campus is the library and it looks like a tree and it's nicknamed the tree of knowledge. And on the outside of this tree of knowledge is a, what's called a garden of Eden. It's this big garden and, and the pathway is paved with 560 foot long serpent, tile serpent. And so the base of the serpent's head is at the base of the tree of knowledge. And that's the very center of campus. Then we have a sun god on campus. There's a lot of spiritual artifacts. And so to me, it's kind of like Ephesus and Athens combined. Wow. You have a really cerebral environment. It's a highly intellectual environment. It's very difficult to get in. You know, I think we had 75,000 apply this last fall. 17,000 got in. Wow. It's very competitive. But then you have the spiritual side that people are very open to stuff. So it's a pretty fun environment for me. Nice. So what is kind of the, the strategy or the tactics that you use in that unique atmosphere? We really provide places for demonstration of the kingdom. One of the things that we do every week is we just call it seismic. It's our outreach. And we do either free spiritual readings, dream interpretation, you know, healing the sick, just going out. We call it theocaching or treasure hunting and just going out and finding what God wants to do on campus. And that's honestly been the most successful thing we've done is because we're the only Christian group that I know of that's actually pursuing things like this. So it's just so outside of the box of most people. And when we do it, we're not really 
uh, drawing Christians, they're pretty freaked out by it, but we're drawing those that are just kind of hungry. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. So you've been in campus ministry for 25 years. What 20. Do you know? 20 years. Yeah. I just aged you. My yeah, you just aged me, man. <laughs> You're eternal, <laughs> so you'll be all right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> what do you know about campus ministry now that you wish you had known when you were starting out? I think one thing would be the importance of doing everything from rest. In our early days, especially in Kyle, Kyle is different now, but in 1997, it was basically, hey, we have a call this campus. Oh, cool. Hope it works out. Good luck. There wasn't a lot of resource. There wasn't a lot of support. You're just kind of on your own. And that's just kind of the way the ecosystem worked back then. And so for us, you know, we were working outside jobs. We were doing campus ministry. We we're on staff at a church. In the early days, some of our weeks were 100 hours between all those things. Wow. And no one was saying, hey, this is unhealthy. Like, you probably shouldn't do this. And so if I would have known what I know now, like the first revelation the father gave Adam was rest. It wasn't a mandate. It wasn't a to-do list carved out on a fig tree. It was let's rest. And that all, everything is built upon that place, of that seed of rest. And so that would have been hugely important in the beginning days. No when I was running crazy. So campus ministry is just a portion of what you do. I actually first met you when you were teaching an advanced prophetic session at the mission in Vacaville. So what has your personal journey specifically in the prophetic been like? As a child, I had some pretty crazy experiences. You know, again, my parents were believers, but they didn't have much of a grid for prophetic stuff. I mean, I was having dreams of future events I had a dream, actually. The craziest one was my neighbors were all runners, marathon runners. And the night before this one time they're going to run, I have this dream of their youngest son running in the pouring rain in front of a white house. He crosses the street and a maroon minivan hits him. He flips upside down. He's paralyzed from the neck down. So I tell my mom, she says, hey, you should tell, tell the neighbors. So I'm telling them like, hey, Brad, his name is Brad. I'm like, don't run today, man. I had this crazy dream. He ran, got hit by a maroon minivan in front of the White House, pouring down rain, flipped upside down. And for me, you know, I would, if I remember, I was maybe 10 years old. I'm kind of freaking out, right? It's like, why am I having these dreams? And my parents were supportive, but they were kind of freaked out because it's like, what is going on? And so I kind of became afraid of this stuff. You know, I've seen angels and demons and all sorts of stuff. And so that stuff shut down just because I didn't know how to process this. And I felt like I'm a freak because I didn't know anyone else that was, I, I know there was other people, but, but in my life, I didn't know anyone else that was experiencing these things. Yeah. So then fast forward to Bible college. It's probably my junior year going into my senior year, if I remember. I had a crazy encounter with God and all this stuff kind of came back. And then when we went to Utah, because, you know, it's Salt Lake City. It's predominantly Mormon. Our campus was 75% Mormon. You know, without the supernatural, it's like, what are we going to do? It's kind of what I was saying when we went there. Yeah. Like, we can have a nice intellectual conversation, but if the supernatural doesn't intervene. And so we really began to pursue things that kind of had been put on a shelf, so to speak, because we were in an environment that demanded the supernatural. Wow. And for me, the prophetic is more of a life skill than a ministry skill. It's just, it's just who we are. It's not like, oh, I do it when I'm in a, at a conference and I begin to prophesy. It's just like, if you're a loving person, if your capacity of love increases, then God's always going to be sharing things with you for other people because you'll steward it well. 
So it's just, to me, it's just a part of normal life. I love that. So we kind of live in an age now with, you know, amazing trainers like Chris Valentin and Dana McCollum, Keith Fronte, those guys, you know, yeah. really made developing the prophetic gift very available to just the, the ordinary Christian, you know, um, when you look at the advances that have been made in, in the realm of the prophetic over the last, let's say 10 years or so, what do you see in the future for, for the advancement of the prophetic in our nation? I think I'm kind of a big proponent of we've got to think bigger than, and I love miracle signs and wonders. Don't get me wrong. Like I love them, but it's like, I think some people think that is like the apex of the kingdom and it's just getting your toe in the river. And I think there's so much more that God's wanting us to bring us into, especially in the, in, you know, when we talk about influencing the mountains, I'm, I'm not a, I actually don't like the term mountain per se. <laughs> I like the sphere better because we're supposed to just permeate from within, you know, to be light, salt, yeast. It's not like we're trying to climb something to conquer it, but we're just from within, we're going to influence. I like that. And when I see things like, you know, interstellar space travel, like we're, we're going to Mars, whether people think we are or not. Or maybe we're there, whether you're, whatever your perspective is. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I had a spiritual daughter that was working with the United Nations on, the, on a committee called the Ethics of Outer Space. Basically coming up with who's going to write the laws if we go to another planet. Wow. So while some people are thinking, hey, I had this prophetic word, I'm thinking, hey, who's, who's going to do that? Like yeah. who, who is going to be positioned in those gates? to steward that type of stuff, you know, DNA research, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, all these things that we're pushing into these frontiers. It's like, I, I want the righteous in these gates. And so if we have people that can hear the Lord clearly and not just hear him, like, here's a prophetic word for you as an individual. It's like, here's, here's a strategy of how we should do this. Yeah. Here's a bedrock of some ethics so that when we get into some of the AI stuff, it's not going to get crazy it's going to stay where it should stay. And so I think the prophetic again is, is so much broader and so much more and deeper. And I think the Lord's going to bring greater revelation to the body of, of who we are. We're, we're getting that revelation of who we are, but starting to get the revelation of what we are and what we're to release into the earth. Nice. Yeah. So you're positioned perfectly because you probably have students coming out of your campus that have a real shot at getting to those gates and being some of those people. Absolutely. Yeah, we have students that are studying AI right now. We've got students in uh, unnamed three-letter agencies in D.C. and United Nations teaching on universities in Hollywood, all, sprinkled all over the world. Come on. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so good, man. So how do you utilize the prophetic in campus ministry and in your everyday life. A few minutes ago, you just said, man, it's, it's not about being at a specific place and utilizing it. It's about that lifestyle. But could you kind of give us, uh, you know, maybe a story or two about how it just flows from who you are? Yeah, I mean, one thing we do, I think when we were talking in Vakava, I may have shared this, but when someone comes to Christ in our ministry, we immediately have them prophesy. Come on. So say you came up at a meeting like, Hey, I want Jesus. And I'm like, all right, let's pray for dub. And we pray. And I'm like, and then I'd say, Hey, so ask God for a picture or a word for me. You might see something or hear something, just share what it is. And the thing that happens is at least from what we've experienced a hundred percent of the time, they're dead on. Come on. 
Yeah, because people are coming to Christ, they don't have church background, they don't have the baggage that says, oh, am I good enough? Can I hear God? Can I? It's just like, oh, okay, I'll ask God and he'll say something. And the beauty of that is them, that person moving forward, they know they can hear God. Yeah. Every day they can talk to him, they can ask questions. And then when they're going out on their campus to share their story, they can hear God for other people. So transitioning them into our seismic outreach is such a natural flow because it's like they can already hear God. Yeah. So of course, when somebody comes up for a spiritual reading, they're going to be able to hear him. And so, but we did this thing. They used to do it on campus called the Sun God Festival. And so again, we had this big Sun God statue on our campus. It's this yeah. huge chicken demonic looking thing. I had an encounter with it when we first moved there, which is a whole nother story. But so they used to do this thing. So Sun God Festival, about 40, 50,000 people would come. Not just the campus, but it would draw. It's basically a music festival. You couldn't have alcohol in there, but they bring it in their body already in them. And so it was a crazy environment. And so when we first heard about it, we're like, why don't we do a big spiritual readings booth at the Sun God Festival? And our group was like, yeah, let's do it. So I tried to get some other Christian groups like, hey, would you want to come with us? And everyone's like, why would you go into a dark place? And I'm like, I don't know. We're the light of the world. I'm like, what? what? Jesus said that? Yeah, it's like, who, who are we with? And so we went in, set up this booth, and dude, it's like three, four hours a line. Like you'd have all these vendors, wow. we'd have the longest line. Come on, yeah. And there's this one girl that came up, and I would just usually step back and let the students do it. They're just giving these dead on words. People are getting rocked, they're in tears. And this one girl, she runs out, and I thought like she was offended or something. She comes back with 10 girls, and she's yelling because the music really loud. She's yelling at the top of her lungs. They're going to tell you something from God, but it's really good. Nice. Come on. <laughs> and so I, was, I went over this girl and she had some church background. She goes, everything I've heard technically that was from God was never good. Yeah. Because this is the first time I heard something from God. She's like, I had to get all of my friends. And that was such a cool moment because it's like, that's what it is. That's the power of, the, of prophecy. It's so encouraging it builds people up and it shares the heart of god for a person so a woman at the well moment yeah that's so good so i know education is your wheelhouse but have you ever had any prophetic interaction with the government mountain i've had a lot of visions and prophetic insight into stuff that's happening but i haven't had yet interactions in the governance sphere. I've had a little bit, but not a, a huge amount. So what would you say to someone who is experiencing that? They're getting prophetic uh, dreams or, or visions having to do with governmental stuff, but perhaps they don't have an outlet for it. How do you steward stuff like that? I think a really practical thing I teach our students is we used to do this thing called eternal intelligence briefings, where we would just like intelligence agencies would gather intelligence and bring it all in one room. We would say, hey, let's pray specifically about government and let's do California government. And let's just pray. And then if the Lord shows us anything, just write it down, record it, record the time and date that you get it. So nothing subjective like, oh yeah, I saw that too a couple of days ago. It's like, let's record it all. And then we bring it together. And then we start looking for patterns and then we start focusing on the patterns. And so, we did this one time with, it was government for California and it's specific, or I'm sorry, education for government, uh, for California. And so three people, if I remember, had a specific name of a person. So we're Googling the person. He's, 
is the main board member of the LA Board of Education, which runs California's education. Wow. And so like, okay, let's, and so the other parts of this word was this guy needs to be removed. Like he's holding what God wants to do back into yeah. education. And so there was some other stuff and other patterns, but we began to pray. And so this guy down the road was actually transitioned out and a new person came in. And so it's being able to see something very specific for a very specific sphere and teaching people to find patterns and to do it in community. Like it's not about doing it yourself, but if on an individual basis, I teach people to do this, like say you follow uh, Donald Trump, you're a Donald Trump fan. You're just like always following his tweets and what he's doing. It's like, okay, begin to pray for Donald Trump uh, prophetically. And if you're getting stuff, just record everything down and see if it happens. Yeah. And then hone in again on the patterns. Like, oh yeah, I saw this happen. I saw that happen. Maybe I was 40% on 60% off. But what I find is I'm stewarding that it begins to increase because God's like, oh, you're actually interested in honing your skills. Yeah. <laughs> so let's actually, he'll provide more information or divine data. And it's just a really practical way to do that. You can do it with someone in Hollywood. Maybe so you follow someone in Hollywood or, what, or a sports athlete. Just begin to pray for that person and then start watching the news because obviously the information of their life is a little more accessible than the average person. Yeah. That's gold right there, people. Um, you had told me that story about the, the board member. You guys got the name by word of knowledge, mm -hmm. looked it up. And then I just want to touch on because I feel like, you know, people are always looking to, to throw stones. But you guys took such a new covenant approach. And when you were praying that guy out, that you guys were, were praying for it to be a blessing to him and his family, yeah. for the transition to be smooth, for it not to be. You know, I think that... Uh, you know, so much of, of the church in America still is not coming to the revelation of the new covenant. And so they, yeah. if I just want our listeners to know, you know, if you get a word from the Lord that someone needs to be removed, which is very likely, there's a different yeah. way to, uh, <laughs> to pray them out of office than just, you know, the whole wrathful God get them type of type. of. Absolutely. I mean, it comes down to the love thing again. It's got to flow from love. So our prayer was, God, give him a better job than this. That's better pay and better benefits. And be a blessing to his family. It's the heart of God. I love that. All right. Oh, so yeah. I often ask my guests this question. What is your definition of the kingdom? Now, I feel like I'm about to get a definition that I've never gotten before. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd love to hear your, your thought on that. Honestly, I think I would just say family forward, the advancement of the father's business, which is family. Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they look at the kingdom, they're kind of this ethereal, the supernatural, which is certainly part of it. But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's the, the extending of family into the earth. You know, the father never did anything outside of relationship. He's never done anything isolated. You know, isolation is governed by deception. If I isolate, I'm going to be deceived. And the father always chose to do things in the context of family. If I'm going to build what he wants to build, then it, it's got to be marked by that. And you had, you had talked to me before about the family aspect on campus, especially with your demographic of students being so yes. lacking and the tool of, of recognizing the family dynamic and being purposeful in implementing that or providing that perhaps would be a better way of saying that uh, being a key to what you guys are doing as well. 
Yeah, so our, our main demographic is Asian. So you have controlling moms and emotionally distant dads, which is pretty much across the board. I mean, the dad is there, he provides. The dad's a good provider financially, the stuff, but emotionally just completely disconnected. And then the mom is just constantly over the shoulder. And so we find students having a hard time connecting with God the Father or even believing that he wants to connect with them emotionally. You know, so they have this concept of God the Father, like he's there, he's good, but he doesn't really want to hang out per se. Yeah. And then Holy Spirit is, he just wants to control my life. He wants to be up in my business and white glove inspections every day. And so we've had to really help students kind of get re rewiring their thinking to understand that the Father actually, and it's been really powerful. I remember speaking in a Chinese church in Sacramento, and they're, in, they're uh, interpreting. And I'm just sharing the simple gospel, like simple kingdom, family. And I, I noticed that the woman that was interpreting had stopped, and I looked over, and she's, she's bawling. Oh, wow. I said, are you okay? And she goes, this is too good. I haven't heard this. This is so good. Like, she's like, I'm, are you going to make it? Like, can, do we need someone else? She's like, no, no, I want to do this. And so everyone in the crowd is just... They'd never heard the reality that the father wants to be with them. Wow. And so it's just such a powerful, I mean, it's powerful for any person, but I, I love it when I see it, the something click in their minds of not actually the father is pleased with me. He's, he's not, you know, cause the other aspect is you're never good enough. It's a perfectionist environment. It's yeah. no matter what you do, that's never quite there. And so there's, there's such a demand of performance and perfection. And when we help students, especially in the prophetic, we've had students that are highly prophetic, but it's coming from this place of my identities in the prophetic. Because it's this performance thing, it's perfection. So I remember this one girl, she's prophesying. I said, stop prophesying. And she looks at me and I said, I, I don't want to hear your prophecy. I said, actually, I don't want you to prophesy for a few months. I don't want you to share any word with anyone. Because I said, you've got to find your identity in Christ. It is not in your gift. Or, or you'll be a slave to the gifts. Mm, so and you'll be as confident as your last word. And if you don't get a correct word, you'll be completely dismayed. So I'm passionate about teaching my daughter about the kingdom and how to move in the prophetic. And I know that you actively pursue that with your kids as well. And you've even written a children's book that my daughter loves, by the way. Yeah. So what are some tips that you can share with parents on raising their kids in the supernatural? Yeah, we play prophetic games a lot. So we do uh, just one game we call Ascend. So like, hey, we're going to go to heaven and trying to teach our kids from a very young age, accessing heaven is really easy. It, yeah. It's not this, you got to jump through hoops and, you know, any system that's really complex, like if somebody takes something simple and makes it complex, they're not that smart. But a genius can take a, a complex issue and make it simple. That's a genius. You got to say that whole statement again. That was really good. <laughs> Anyone can take something simple and make it complex. And when they do that, they're not that smart. But when you take something complex and you make it simple, that's pure genius. Come on. And so any, everything in the kingdom is accessed by faith. It's childlike faith. So it's like it means children can access this stuff easily and so we just we'll play this game called ascend we'll say we're doing this maybe a few months ago i was with liam just liam and i i said let's play ascend and so he closed his eyes really intense we're just goofing around i was like what do you see he goes 
and we have not read Revelation 4 with him before, to my knowledge. He says, I see this water, but there's fire in it. It kind of seems like glass. There's this big throne, and there's like a rainbow above it. And then there's these four things. One kind of looks like an eagle. Another, and I'm just like, he's literally describing Revelation 4. And he's a little guy. Yeah, he's seven years old. And super nonchalant, too. Like, yeah, there, you know, this eagle thing. And I was like, okay. He's like, who's on the throne? He's like, oh, oh it's Jesus. And I said, well, why don't you ask him a question? And he's like, what should I ask him? I said, ask him what he thinks about you. And he starts giggling. Like, what do he say? He goes, oh, he really likes me. <laughs> and then uh, I said, well, ask Jesus if he wants to show you anything else before we do something else. And then, so he goes, well, I see a ladder. And I said, what? And he goes, a gold ladder. And there's, there's angels, and they're going up and down really fast, up and down really fast. And I said, what does Jesus want you to do? And he goes, he, want, he wants me to get on the ladder. So he gets on the ladder. And he starts giggling over and over and over. And these angels are going up and down, up and down. And so it's just helping that to be accessible. And another game we play is where the spot the angels. So we're out and about wherever we're at. We'll say, hey, where are the angels at? And we've done this from a very young age. And so my daughter will see stuff. We were one time walking into our house. And I said, you see any angels? She said, oh, yeah. There's an angel on the roof with a trumpet, blowing the trumpet. And I said, well, what size the trumpet is? Like, it's a really big trumpet. And uh, so it's just been really fun to help kids see that this is just normal life. It's not like, oh, we've got to get into this worship frenzy to just, you know, we've got to have that certain Bethel song playing to get into the zone. It's just like, hey, anywhere I'm at, heaven is here. It's in us. I want to touch on a couple of things there just for our audience. Uh, as far as, you know, I love how Chris Vallotton so eloquently states that God is not in heaven because scripture says that the heavens cannot contain him, but rather yeah. heaven is a place in God that he chooses to manifest in a specific way and interact with his children. And so if heaven is in God and God is in us, then access to the throne room is much easier than the majority of the population thinks. Yeah. God wants to interact with you in that way. And so what a perfect uh, introduction to that, you know, with just bringing out uh, how to do that with your kids. So thank you for that. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Uh, you and I have had some mind-blowing conversations about some deeper things. What is a rich topic that you'd feel comfortable touching on in a public platform like this? <laughs> I really want people to get a taste of some of the revelation that you carry. Well, there's some things I don't share yet. <laughs> Absolutely. But we talked about some fun stuff. But I think something I'm really passionate about is helping people to understand. I, I alluded to it earlier, that not just knowing who we are, but what we are. And I think there's been a good foundation of identity in the church and it's coming more and more, but I think we're just kind of scratching the surface of, well, actually, what are we in Christ? And, you know, I'd look at it as we're a multidimensional creation, new creation, new Testament. Hey, you're a new creation. All things are new. That word kainos Greek word is it's something the earth has not beheld before. Come on. And then, when Paul's talking to Corinthians, he's like, hey, let's not refer to each other as simply being in the flesh. And that Greek word can mean merely of human origin. It's like, so to say I'm just human is actually incorrect. When you're in Christ, you're, you're more than human now. You're not merely of human origin. Our origin is Christ, not Adam. So we were in Christ before the first Adam was made. We were in the last Adam. 
And so, you know, Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, the spirit of a man is a lamp of the Lord, searching the innermost parts of his being. And this kind of goes to our multidimensional capacity. So God's saying, hey, your spirit, I'm using as a light. Your spirit you can think of as a light. Your soul you can think of as a light bulb. It kind of carries that light, the essence. Gotcha. And then your body, as our mind is renewed, the flesh, DNA, is transfigured. Romans 12, the transformation, that word transformation is transfiguration. Yeah. And so the transfiguration of DNA, and DNA stores lights, so then spirit, soul, body is releasing light so we can truly be the light of the world, the promised star seed. And so he's using your spirit as a light to search the innermost parts, which means bedroom or rooms. And then being means belly. So then fast forward to John, book of John, Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place where there are many rooms. You know, translations say mansions, but it's actually incorrect. It's not mansions. It's, it's rooms. It's abodes. Yeah. And so it's this, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to a place, which is you. It's the father's house. And inside of you, there are many rooms. Come on. So we're going to use your spirit as a light to search all of these rooms. In the rooms, well, where are they? They're in your belly. Because out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, which is not from this dimension, of course, you know, unless your shirt's getting wet. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not from this dimension. So we'll talk about these things, but we don't talk about it from the reality that well, we're talking about multiple dimensions here, which means you yourself are a multidimensional creation designed to function in, you already are whether you're aware or not, but it's becoming aware of this reality that I can be in conversation with you and interacting with the heavenly realms at the same time and not skip a beat because we've been created with the capacity of that. And so it's helping people understand this reality of, hey, it's awesome to know who you are in Christ. Everything flows from sonship. You know, every ship flows from sonship. But now let's look at what we are. Because if we know what we are, then there's a confidence, which is just the consequence of abiding in Christ, that oneness. Then I will know what I'm called to release into the earth. You know, Second Timothy 1.9 says, grace and purpose were given to you before time began. So we arrived here because we're not from here. We arrived here. So we passed through our mother's womb. We're not from our mother's womb. We just passed through it. Right. So when we arrived here, we came with everything we needed. Come on. So what we are to be, purpose, what we're to release into the earth, grace, the divine enablement to do that and be that, all of that was given to us before time began. Nice. So the pressure is off to try to make this happen it's yeah. just it needs to flow from the reality of oneness i feel like pressure coming off of me right now man <laughs> <laughs> that's some good revelation bro could you bring a definition to you said the the phrase star seed and i know um people are going to want to know what does he mean by that could you bring a definition to that yeah abraham was promised two types of seed sand seed i'm going to give you more than the sands of the sea sure talking about natural descendants the jews every continent has seashores yeah so jews would be scattered all over the earth and then he says i'm gonna give you more than the stars in the heavens he's talking about star seed from above we're born from above we're born again of revelation not location yeah. so we're from above not beneath children of light we're right we're a child of light the father of lights and so there's the stars light the heavens we're to call we're called the light the world 
which are two different things. And the stars govern the seasons of the earth and we're to govern the seasons of the world. On one of my past episodes, I had uh, Dr. Andre Pfizer on and he mentioned um, this fact. I went and Googled it later because I'd never heard it before, but that the iron in our blood comes from stars. Yeah. And I found literal, you know, scientific uh, studies on that, which blew my mind. So I don't know how that ties into everything you're saying, but I feel like there is a... Well, there's gold too. You know, when when people, you know, reference, oh, we're just made from the dust of the ground. When you go back to Eden, you know, if you go outside and you dig in your dirt, right, all soil has decay, which is a manifestation of death. But in Eden, there was no death yet. Right. The ground could not have looked like it does today. So when you read the accounts, like, oh, you have this river, it breaks into four, goes through Pashan, Havila. It says the land of Havila is the land of pure gold. Yeah. So I I propose that we're actually made from gold dust. So the dust of the ground was actually gold dust. Every human body has uh, traces of gold in it. And so when gold dust appears, like in meetings, and people are like, oh, why would God do this? You know, is there a reason? I think personally, it's like maybe God's just reminding us of our origin here. Oh, my gosh, man, that makes so much sense. All right. So I want to touch on some of the products that you have available. And let's start with your books. I know you've got one that's just about to come out and you've already got uh, two that I'm aware of that are out. So um, just give our listeners a brief overview of your available titles and the content that they carry. Yeah, I have five books. My first book's called Jumpstart. It's uh, a simple discipleship tool I wrote that carries the reality of the finished work of Christ, the supernatural kingdom, uh, sexuality. It's designed to go through with other people. It's really relational. Then I have my children's book you mentioned, Little Beans and a Big God. It's a true story of my daughter. Yeah. And she prayed for a girl that was instantly healed of an incurable condition. My daughter was just two years old when that happened. And then a book called The Ascended Life, which is a 21-day guidebook to co-ascending thinking and breakthrough. There's declarations and meditations. And then Remember When, it's just an ebook. It's more of a funny, sarcastic look at uh, some of the things we believe that aren't really true. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just basically a, these two liners um each page and it just kind of reveals some of the things that are absurd that we believe yeah and then the ascended life volume two is just about to come out in a couple of weeks and it's just a continuation of the ascended life another 21 day guidebook very cool so those are all available on my website iborm.com or amazon perfect and i'll put links to those in the show notes so you guys that are listening you'll have easy access to all of Brian's content, resources, products, etc. Let's go to your e-course, Mindset Legacy. What can people expect to receive by engaging in that material? Yes, this is one of my favorite things. Um, this is really a life message, honestly. And it's something I've been doing with our students for years. And then finally, I was like, why well, don't just package this thing? And so the first two modules, there's seven modules in it, a lot of the content. The first two modules, I go into orphan mentalities, behaviors, mindsets, and I go into some pretty good detail about some things. Most people that go through those modules are like, oh, I, you know, I've dealt with this. And then they go through it like, oh, man, I haven't dealt with this. <laughs> and it's the starting point because if, if, we don't, if we're not honest with where we're at today, then it's going to be hard to experience breakthrough if yeah. we're being dishonest with ourselves. 
And then we go into sunship, sunship mentalities. How does God see us? Now we go into new creation realities. I go into quantum physics, neuroscience, epigenetics, you know, uh, some of these other things. You know, if I were to kind of deduce it to a phrase, this course, it's like our theology shapes our psychology, which governs our physiology, and that impacts the cosmology, the cosmos. And so I pretty much unpack that in this whole course. And so there's a lot of quiz, there's quizzes, there's practical things, there's tools. Um, there's some tools in getting emotional healing in some areas in our life. It's just really practical stuff. So what do you mean by affecting the cosmos? Everything's connected. There's no distance. There's no separation. Quantum physics has proven this reality. Everything is interconnected. And so our, our choice to align with truth, to, to be noble, to think about something pure, it's, it's not just affecting our life. It's epigenetics has proven that our mindsets are transferred four generations ahead through DNA. And so that's why I call this mindset legacy. That's where this came out of is my, my choice to change the way my think is affecting four generations. Not only that, it's affecting creation around us. We're a new creation, of course. Everything else around us is old creation. And that old creation is groaning for us to be revealed because our manifestation in the truth of who we are affects all of the cosmos, every atom, every molecule. And again, there's, you know, we think of, in terms of linear distance separation, but there's zero separation. We're connected to everything. That's some good stuff. <laughs> you also have some specialized coaching opportunities as well, some of which carry some intriguing titles. I'd love to hear the process <laughs> behind Destiny Design Development. Yeah. So this is eight sessions. It's a little more uh, involved. I do some breakthrough sessions that are usually just an hour, but this is eight eight hour sessions, eight one hour sessions. And so the one example I used there was a guy, he was um, in his seventies, he was a business owner, but he really wasn't seeing a profit. And so we started to dive into some stuff and you know, his expectation is we're gonna go into business strategy when really it came down to, there were a lot of things in his life he wasn't dealing with emotionally. And so, you know, I, I talk about that a lot, especially in de destiny design, because if you don't address what's actually going on beneath the surface, all the business plans, whatever else is really not going to flow that great. Yeah. And so we actually spent six hours of those eight hours dealing with this stuff. And then the last two hours, we started to more ground out some strategy for his business. And so a month later, he calls his, hey, my business doubled in a month. Come on. Yeah. I said, hey, he's like, I hired someone new. And so the next month he's like, he called back and he's, he's tripping. I was like, dude, my business quadrupled from the first month. It just doubled. He's like, I hired two more people. And he's, he's laughing. He goes, I don't, he goes, why do you think this is happening? And I said, well, one of his big fears was I can't handle success. Yeah. Like I don't have the capacity to handle success which tied into a lot of other things. So once we had addressed all that, came out of agreement, addressed some emotional healing issues, his mindset changed and then he knew I, I can handle success. And as a result of that, success came his way. Come on. So destiny development, it's, there's not a formula to it. It's obviously individualized and tailored to each person, but it is certainly a process and a, a starting point that I always start with people is, hey, let's address with things with our thinking, 
and where are we at emotionally today? Now, one of my big questions is if you could describe your, the condition of your heart emotionally in one word, what would it be? And 90% of the people have no idea how to answer that question. And what that reveals is they're completely disconnected from their own heart. And if you're disconnected from the one thing that where all life flows from, that's a problem. Whether you're doing business or whatever, because all that's flowing from the heart. So we've got to address that first. So what I hear in that is this is along the lines of, of the you will prosper as your soul prospers. Yeah. So just bringing health to that. Absolutely. That's really good. So where can people follow you and connect with what you're doing? Uh, my website, iborm.com, has a lot of information, calendar where I'll be at, products and all that. And then you can also connect through there, through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, all that stuff. That's all on my website too. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And you, you throw out some good stuff on Facebook, which is just bonus free content. So I'd encourage everybody to get on there, man, and, and uh, take advantage of that. So any last words? No, I appreciate it, man. This is great. I love being able to just share maybe for some of your listeners, some of what I'm talking about is brand new to them. Like, Oh, I haven't thought about it that way. And that's one of my favorite things is to see kind of the, the head cocking a wit. It's like, I haven't thought of before. And I think if I were to say anything closing, it's just to encourage people that you don't have to choose to be just a thinker or a believer. You can be both and you can be intellectual and mystical that they're not at odds. They're actually friends and actually when they're synergized, it's, it makes the mystical side go to a whole different level and it takes the intellectual side to a whole different level. You know, God wants us to be what those that think and believe. And so I just encourage you, you might be the person who kind of leans more on the thinking side or just more on the believing side. There really is a great middle ground of embracing both of those. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Yeah, man. It's been awesome. An honor. Absolutely. We'll have you back again sometime. Yeah, man. So I just want to remind all our listeners that you can catch John Fuller and the original Are You Real Purpose show every Wednesday on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, it's been Dub, it's been Kingdom, and it's been Real. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Are You Real Government? For in-depth resources, show notes, information on today's discussion, or to connect with your host personally, please visit areyoureal.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the other podcasts in the Are You Real family. Until next time, thanks for keeping it real with Are You Real Government?